Welcome, everybody, to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Uh, it's, it's like Hoth out there by me. I don't know about you guys, but we want to thank everyone for joining us. James and Lacey with me as always. And our guest, you know him as X-Wing pilot Captain Carson Tava from The Mandalorian Season 2. He's also an award-winning actor for his show, Kim's Convenience. Welcome to the Resistance broadcast, Paul Sun Young Lee. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. We know you've been uh, bopping around different shows and stuff because you're the talk of the town. Everyone's loving Trapper Wolf and Carson Tava, kind of like the Tango and Cash, if you will, of The Mandalorian. (laughs) Uh, So... um, uh, how have you been feeling uh, in terms of the uh, response from fans, uh, whether it be social media or anywhere else, uh, with your now entry into Star Wars? It's been overwhelmingly positive. I can't believe how um, how lucky I am. Uh, my phone, I, the 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 day the episode that I was in first aired, my phone just wouldn't stop buzzing. I got so many <laughs> notifications, strangers from all different platforms. Um, I live in east in the eastern time zone, and so in the western time in the Pacific time zone, it, it premieres at midnight. It drops at midnight, which is about three o'clock in the yeah, morning for us yeah. in the east coast. And about three forty-five after the episode ended, my phone started going off. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was like I was really, I knew there'd be a reaction, but I was really sort of shocked at how big the reaction wow. was. And I was immensely grateful that it was so positive that people really did. You it. did you stay up to watch it, or did you get woken out of sleep with your notifications? <laughs> no, I, I purposely, like, everybody kept asked. Um, my wife was like, are you going to stay up? And I said, no, babe, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up, so I'm going to sleep and I'll wake up and we'll watch it. Uh, and I was not expecting my phone to, to be like, like to blow me mm-hmm. up, like, to blow up. And it, it, like, I, like it did wake me up at about five in the wow. morning. Yeah. Um, and we have a, a ritual at our house, um, our home. Uh, everybody gets up in the morning and before school, we watch the Mandalorian, but the boys have to get ready. They have to be totally ready for school. That means they get up, get showered, you have some breakfast, brush their teeth, get their bags packed, and then and only then, <laughs> if we have enough time, we'll watch. Uh, we'll watch the episode together as a family. And uh, yeah, so they were like, they were super pumped, and they were up, and we we're ready to go. And every morning, you know, you check because I have no idea how long the episodes are going to be. Right? They can be anywhere from thirty-three minutes to 40, sure. 48 to fifty-five. Yeah. And so. A lot of that sort of depends. And I looked at it and I think it was like 45 minutes. Wow. Long. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> sat and watched. And uh, yeah, it was so cool because for so long, I, I wanted to be a part of the universe, uh, the, the Star Wars universe, right? Like you grow up watching the movies and reenacting and playing with your friends and fantasizing. And, and you know, when you're playing with the toys and you're recreating uh, old adventures and making your own new adventures, and here I am at 48 years old, finally getting a chance to see myself on the screen in costume as a character in that universe. It's just, <laughs> I still, I keep saying this, but I feel like Cinderella at the ball. And yeah, <laughs> you, awesome. you have this um, genuine humbleness to you. Because uh, I watched, you know, I did my prep and I watched other interviews and stuff like that. But um, you, you <laughs> and uh, your awards acceptance speech uh, at the Canadian Academy uh, I believe it was. Um, yeah. You just come across as a very regular guy, and uh, it's hard. It, people, you, you can't fake that. So, um, how, as an actor as accomplished as you, 
um, stay grounded and stay humble and stay the geek and nerd that you've always been? Uh, I, I always say it's because I, I found a lot of success in my career later on. Um, I was grinding it out as a young actor. A lot of roles weren't really available to me. And, um, you know, especially being a, an actor of color, you, there, there, there wasn't much choice, right? You were either... Uh, you're either walking exposition or a set piece, basically, that, that moved around. You're there for window dressing. And a lot of the roles that were available, they weren't real characters. They're more caricatures, right? And you were either the butt of the joke, um, somebody to be scared of, or somebody that was going to be fetishized or exoticized, right, as, as an Asian. And so when, you, when you're offered character parts that aren't even human-like, um, it, it can get really uh, frustrating as an actor. But I really, really wanted to act. And it was one of those things where I thought, well, I'm never going to be the lead in any sort of a series, but I love to act. So what can I do? How do I stay to be an actor? How do I stay in this, this profession and not lose my mind? And there's a number of fantastic character actors um, that I look, looked at and went, they're in everything. They got small parts, but they're very memorable in all these parts. They do a great job. And they're those actors who kind of go, I've seen this guy before. Oh, you've been in this. Oh, you're in that too. And, and they work. And so I thought, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to be good character actor and i'm gonna learn as much as i can when i'm on set and i did and then you know kim's convenience sort of came and um gave me the opportunity to, to finally play a lead role and it was like a dream part for me because it was right in my wheelhouse i knew who this guy was it was a, like a lived in history with my own family um and i was able to just sort of knock it out of the park and that's that's when all the accolades came in it's when i finally got to play a real character a human being mm -hmm. um that it, it's sort of like oh well you can act wow who, who would have thought and so it's <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to maintain your vigilance and be really on the ball and work your ass off all the time and be ready because when you get your chance you can't blow it yeah wow uh, and i've always said even though we have few chances to succeed we have even fewer chances to fail so if you get this opportunity and you suck at it that's it and it's a it's a really crappy deal, but as actors of color, that's been the reality for the longest time. So we have to be ready uh, to perform. Wow. Um, we keep hearing that from actors of The Mandalorian in particular. I mean, Pedro has been pa Pascal has been in the his career for I think twenty years now, and John Carlo Esposito had a very similar story to you, where he kept getting cast as these like certain characters. Um, so that must be super inspiring to work with actors like that as well and work with John uh, Favreau, who's picking you guys. He picked you for this role. <laughs> so how does that feel working with John? Uh, it's, you know, so flattering. And it's like the nerd's <laughs> dream come true because John is, um, obviously, I've been following his career since I saw Swingers when I was in university. Like that movie was my jam, <laughs> yes. was my anthem. John oh. loves that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah. on. Great taste. Uh, and so like we still quote, I like I still quote that movie with friends and it was just at such a formative part of my my uh, adult young adulthood, you know, just changed from an 18 year old to going to university and seeing this movie about a guy who's hung up on this girl and was, you know, had a bunch of friends who were around and the way they spoke to each other was just so familiar and just it just heartbreakingly uh, for, for me relatable um, and so, you know, I'm following his career and seeing what he's done. And then he becomes a director and he does all this fantastic work. And then, oh, my God, he's a nerd and a geek and he's doing <laughs> he's doing the Mandalorian. And he's just crushing it. Um, so meeting him for the first time, it was I, I had a set visit and I was there to 
um, just I, I'm friends with Deborah Chow. Mm -hmm. And uh, she invited me to the set and uh, to meet Dave and to watch them work, uh, Dave Filoni. And because Dave was a, 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 a fan of Kim's Convenience, his that's wife so, and sort awesome. of turned him onto the show. Yeah. So I'm there and I meet John for the first time. And he is like, like he's, he's tall and he's <laughs> big, right? And so I'm not, I'm not tiny, but I, I'm like 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, and John looked like he was seven feet tall. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that was his presence, right? And he's there and he's like, it's like effortless. He's just, he's just this presence that's there and he's solid. And then I remember hearing him and Dave, I was on the set and they're talking about a story point. I had no idea what, I had no context for it, but I was a fly on the wall and they're talking about story points and like, well, if this happens and how does it affect him here? And they're mapping it out and it's, oh, I'm, I'm watching him and I, I can just see the joy and the, the, the meticulous craft in which they're, they're discussing, you know, story points. And he met me really, really briefly. He was like, hey, nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, I, I was like so nervous. Yes, I'm not going to fuck this up. Keep my mouth shut. I'm going to be really polite. And on the inside, I'm going to. And he's in, like, be cool, be cool. Just, you know, I peed my pants a Just little bit. Just a little bit. And well, yeah, and it's good. Um, and I remember the biggest thing was don't freak out because <laughs> they'll never yeah. ask you back to visit, right? It's like, be cool, be cool. And it's like a little trickle of blood coming out of my ear. Yeah. <laughs> my brain trying not to explode. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was great. And so when the call came in to, to, to uh, when they asked for me to, to play this role, it was hilarious because I was talking to Deb and she said, <laughs> She was like, well, it was actually Dave's idea, not Dave's idea. It was it was John's idea. They were discussing on who to who to cast and had other actors in mind. And then John said, well, what about Dave's friend? What about Paul? And that shocked me because I, I just met him really, really briefly. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, you know, they, they didn't ask. It was they, they offered me the part. That's the first time I think I've ever been offered a part where it's just like, oh, my God, this? <laughs> Would and you want to like, be in Star Wars? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Like, oh, gonna die. Was that was um, that in person or on the phone or email or? This is no. Well, this was so. What happened was I was. Um, it was the the time during that Earth March, uh, September 20, 2019, mm -hmm, uh, Earth Day, mm -hmm. and everybody like in all the cities are doing this massive protest um, to to decry climate change and and say hey we gotta we gotta pull our shit together. And um, so I was there and like the whole city shut down and we were marching uh, for our future basically. And then my phone is ringing and my agent, she said, so Lucasfilm called and they want to know your availability. I was like, <laughs> so surreal, so surreal. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I think I'll be free. You're like, hold please. Ah! Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Um, and so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be free. Um, and it, it was actually Deb who told me about this because she came to town. Um, no, I was texting her. I was like, what's going on? We're big Deb fans here too, oh, by the oh, way. She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Like, I first met her 25, 26 years ago as a, you know, fresh, fresh out of theater school. Um, and yeah, just, and she's a fantastic person too. And a great director and so smart. Um, and just so down to earth. That's the thing about everybody on the Mandalorian that I met 
everybody's grounded and down to earth. There's no pretentious, there's no airs of, oh, we're doing Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> they're like they're fans and they're, they're nerds and geeks. Like John, when he gave me the, when he was showing me the set my the day before my first day of shooting, he was like, he was so excited. And he was looking at me. Going, hey, what uh, that's think? amazing. He was just so excited to show me all this, all of the new toys and stuff. And I was dying and he loved the reactions. And he said, it's great to have people like you on the show because it reminds us how special and how wonderful this all is. Because when you're working on Star Wars every day, you get focused in on the tasks sometimes yeah. and you forget what a wonderful universe it is until somebody fresh yeah. steps in and then loses their minds. And it's a great reminder <laughs> yeah. for them to go, yeah, where this is, this is, it's a, it's a great thing. And it's, it's a good responsibility to have too. And that's the lovely thing about the Mandalorian I found is the, the attention to detail uh, in terms of, telling a great story yeah is there and the character it, development and i think season two just knocked it, it out of it the ball. how excited sure. are you that they're going to be doing so many more shows now too oh my god well you know it, it's I, i'm of two minds two minds uh i love that there's all this new content coming out and they're discovering um these different stories that they can tell because there is a wealth of stories to be told in the star wars universe with different characters um one of my fears is, as well, like everybody else, is like the overexpansion of any sort of franchise. Like if you have a restaurant chain and it does really, really well in one location and you have another one and all of a sudden like there's like 50 of them, <laughs> you're, you're kind of like, uh, oh, there's, there's, because I think what happens is fatigue is real. Um, but I don't know who's, who's going to be in charge of all these other things, uh, all the other mm -hmm. shows and stuff. But if it is, if they're even close to the, the level where I, I think, uh, John is doing, um, he's doing uh, the Book of Boba Fett. That's his series as well. I don't know who's doing um, the Rangers of the New Republic. Um, and I know Dave, he's doing, he's doing the Bad Batch as well. And Ahsoka, uh, I believe Dave's doing. I think Ahsoka. John and yeah. Dave are That's both producing like. Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka, because I I think when okay. they were presented by Di by Disney and specifically Kathleen Kennedy, they were they were presented as the Mandalorians. Great, we're expanding that universe by bringing you mm -hmm. two new shows by John and Dave, Rangers and right. Ahsoka as well. So it was like, oh, and you're starting to put pieces together now. All of this makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you know, with that sort of information, if they're executive producers on board, they're in good they're in good hands. Yeah. That's that's so that's like uh, and then as an actor too it's like I'm in that universe around yeah, yeah. there you go yeah <laughs> hey, we saw you uh, we saw you drop that so. badge to uh, uh, Gina Carano's character there was something going on there so yeah I'd like Dune, yeah yeah I like to think so uh, I and um, yeah no it's it's cool because it's like yeah I'm, I didn't die. <laughs> Like, like you didn't see a flaming wreckage of this X-wing going into the. I could still do happen, you? but that means it had to bring me back for one. So episode, when right? you got the scripts, do you do you speed to the end to make sure you were alive, and then go back and read your lines? No, well, first of all, they don't give okay. you a whole script. It, they only sent me, and it's like nuclear launch code. Oh, There's, they have this triple <laughs> authentication thing on the. I had to download a couple of special programs. They can keep track of. Who logs in? Wow. What time they log in? How mm -hmm. long they're on? The thing for like, they, it is, yeah. So they had they have all the scripts. They're, they're locked down, and um, you can't even print them out. Uh, so I remember just sort of reading these the, these little little snippets of of um, 
script and not having any context wow. to them. Okay. Uh, the one episode like where, where we're giving the Mando a hard time, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, although I didn't know what frog lady what meant. Is this a code name? Frog yeah, lady? It, it was. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and uh, the other one with uh, the scene with Cara Dune and with uh, Grief Karga as well. Um, again, I had no context. I, you know, it, it is him just literally to mop up report. And so I had no context as to what happened uh, in that episode wow. either. So when yeah. you're performing that, are you just, let me channel in my abilities as an actor uh, because you don't really know how to put the pieces together? Like, is, it, that's got to be harder for you than knowing the full narrative. Um, it can be because sometimes there's, I mean, as a performer, if you know the context of what's happened beforehand, you can make certain choices that layer in uh, and inform some of the choices that you make. But from a realistic standpoint, if you weren't there and you don't know about it, these choices shouldn't be available to you to play. Yeah, yeah. I was just so, going to yeah. say that character wasn't there just the same as you there. So you're you're just trying to figure it out. It's almost like you're interrogating the actors about what what were you doing uh, five or yeah. ten minutes ago in this episode. And you're like, how did it go? And they're like, we're not telling you anything. And all of a sudden, you're like, I guess I just got to go on that. Yeah, that, that's pretty yeah. awesome, actually. It's pretty smart uh, the way they pull that all together while still mixing it in with the, just the general privacy of the show the secrecy yeah and it's it's they take the secrecy seriously because even showing up on set they made me wear wear this huge cloak over my costume everybody does uh when you're traveling um from studio to studio mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff like on navarro it's that's on a back mm -hmm. lot about a mile away from their base camp and they have indoor studios that's where the volume is that's where mm -hmm. they shoot some of the the larger scenes uh interior scenes but when they go outside it's completely open and there are buildings around and they're saying they have people staking out the rooftops with telephoto lenses trying That's to send insane of man. everything yeah yeah so um I, I how was, comfy is the flight suit it's super comfy <laughs> uh, because it was tailored to me nice which is awesome right so it's yeah. not like off the rack sort of okay we're gonna this is they got my measurements and they built it from scratch wow. right that's amazing yeah. and and all the rebel stuff is usually very comfortable just because you can sit in it um there's no real armor pieces i mean there's the chest box but that's adjustable uh and the flak vest but it's but also now what do you get to so keep <laughs> yeah none of it that, that, <laughs> it's, it's tailored to you man i know see i keep <laughs> i keep saying hey it's tailored to me, so no one else can wear it. So you got to call me yeah. back, right? Well, I was going to say, it, it's like one of those things where people say, um, like Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld said in, in Seinfeld, he's like, Elaine, once you go first class, you can't go back to coach. So so now, you, you know, your personal cosplays and stuff or other things, are you like, I just, it's just not, it's not, it's not the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I've been ruined. <laughs> I've had professionals dress me and now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still love my flight suit. I still love because I, I and it, it's funny because I keep I tell this story, but I've done a, a rebel pilot cosplay, and um, you know the flight suit I got off the rack and it's you know a little bit long in the on, in the legs, but it's okay because it gets tucked into the pants and the ass is a bit baggy, but that's okay because it's comfortable. <laughs> right? And it's like yeah, it's it's a, it's a jumpsuit, it's a flight suit, and if you're going to be you know spending hours in it, you want it to be comfy. Um, but how many selfies did you take in it? Because I would just be like constantly oh, I, I was they have a very strict i was gonna no say can you yeah. yeah and so it, it's one of those things where 
you just you don't want to poke that bear. You don't want to tug mm -hmm. on that string. You don't want to jeopardize any chance of you being asked back because you didn't exercise that self-control. So you got the one because you were allowed the one. Did you yeah. did you nice. did you just in a way allude to the fact that Lucasfilm's costume department makes sure X Wing pilots look make their butts look good in their X Wing outfits? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. <laughs> I, have, I have to. I have to uh, say this: two seasons, sixteen chapters. No joke. I've said this before. We booked you, so this isn't a thing. Uh, my f the funniest moment in the series to me is when you and Trapper Wolf are talking, surrounding the Mandalorian. And uh, Dave just goes, "Can you switch over to channel two? And then both of you all of a sudden slowly <laughs> pop into the. Uh, attack position <laughs> i i yeah. i was watched by myself and when you when you're by yourself and you still laugh out loud at something you know it's funny and i thought that was so funny and i don't like when you watched that did you know that that was written into the scene and did you completely get the grasp of that because i, I, I want to know what your reaction was to seeing that or whether you thought that was humorous as well yeah no uh it's so funny because i didn't i didn't find it funny it was just like oh he's in trouble it, it was one of those, like even my kids like oh snap he's in shit they're going after him like, uh which is cool and that, that was it was one of those moments where yeah it was giddy anticipation okay because it was like oh this can't be good right this can't and it's like being pulled over by a cop right it's like eh, I'll be back yeah in a second. true and then all of a sudden the rollers turn on and you're like oh what do i do what do i do right and he guns it um and so yeah yeah so i guess I, I, it, for me, it was that anticipation of like, what's he gonna do? Because he's been he's been made, right? right? So what are you gonna right. do? Uh, and you know, the chase goes on, and I thought that was really really cool too. Because up until then, you hadn't seen. I was waiting to see my face. Yeah. Uh, in that episode, right? It's it's my voice. I'm there, and we shot a bunch of footage of me in the car. People need to see it. And you know, I needed to see it. Like, ah. <laughs> uh, and so when when it happened, when you know it's Dave, it's like we got a runner. It's like I'm on it. It was great. It was just like, oh, there I am. And and it, it was really neat because I had to wait. I, I hadn't seen any footage. I hadn't seen that's, any That's footage. cool, though, because you get to still see it as a fan. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it was just like, ooh. Uh, and I remember just like watching it and then suddenly being kind of relieved because I was like, I was looking at my kids and I was like, is that a, did, like, did that suck? Was I okay? And they were like, okay. That was great. Like, oh. You know, you're. Okay. Let's rewind it and let's watch it again, right? You know, a lot of times they run these they run these uh, commercials for The Mandalorian, and you get five seconds before the things skip, and it's always for me. It's always Razor Crest, stand down. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's him. That's awesome. Um, would, when they that was a part of the the second trailer, I think that they dropped, and I knew like right away when you when you hear it over the Lucasfilm sort of logo yeah and you hear that right and like i still get goosebumps because i go that's me yeah <laughs> that's my line that's me that's me and at that point i had no one knew that i was on the mandalorian yeah and so nobody knew that was my voice oh. except for me and so every time people are like have you seen a new trailer for the mandalorian look watch and it's like dying again another like internal <laughs> <as it goes. laughs> Um, you're like everyone's putting the gif of the X-wing pilots, and you're like, "That's me." <laughs> yeah, does this count? <laughs> can, I, can I say something? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny too because the the conjecture, the speculation behind who was in those X-wing 
killed me because a lot of people were saying it's Luke Skywalker. It's got to yeah. be Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker, mm-hmm. right? And like this whole idea, and I was like, "Wow, they're gonna be really disappointed when it's." Because <laughs> Dave, Dave was joking about that too. Because I said, "Have you, you know?" I was texting, going, "Have you, you know? Have you read?" Like people are, they they, they think it's Luke and one of those those X wings, and Dave's like, "Ha ha ha! They're gonna be really disappointing. It's the two of us, right?" <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, I love it. They're swinging for the fences." But then, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen yeah. the episode, uh, the second season, I'll give you three seconds to one when Luke shows up in that. X-wing, you're like, and Dave didn't tell me that. Like, I oh, didn't know what happened. And for a split second, when that X-wing comes in, I thought, is that me? This is not you. You didn't shoot any scenes, but for a second, I thought, oh, it, it, it's me. And it, like, they brainwashed me, and I, I shot an episode. <laughs> right. I didn't remember. But obviously, it's like, it's wow. got to be Luke. Like, who, who flies solo in an X-wing, mm-hmm. and who's the only one who could save all of them? Mm-hmm. With Grogu's ears perking up. Uh. Oh my god! And then the 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 the, the green lights, like the little reveals oh. at a time. And his hand, green, his oh. belt buckle. You're like, yes. it has to be him. And it is. And it's like we were all like, I was in tears, like watching that, going, "Oh mm-hmm. my god!" It's Me too. <laughs> and um, you know, and Pedro taking off that helmet. And, like, oh man, earning yeah. that moment where he is just. You know, that's like dad moments. Those are dad goals. When you see that and he is just like, you got to go. He's, it's breaking his heart. It's killing him. And that whole mm-hmm. idea where Luke says, he's looking for your permission. He's not scared. He, he's looking for your your blessing. Yes. And for him to just make that shift, it's just like, I saw a meme where they say, stars is a bunch of like single dads who failed miserably. And they have, you know, Anakin and Han. <laughs> and then you have, then you have Pedro, uh, sorry, Din Djarin. And it's like, he's the best single yeah. in the galaxy right there. Um, and there's truth to that. And so that moment is so powerful because it's earned. And it took two seasons for him to earn that where, you know, the, the episode before where he takes it off, you, you see Not the progression the same, of what's happening. But at the end, to just fully, just so he can connect with Grogu. Yeah. In a way. It's just, and how, I and yeah, and, and you know, you're a father, um, James and myself are fathers too. Um I am not a not father. Not a father. So oh, sorry yeah. to disappoint. Um, <laughs> Lacey, you are not the father. <laughs> I am not. But, um, the, you know, that, that moment for me when, in, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it was Peyton Reed's choice or Favreau's decision or written in the script, you know, um, but instead of handing him over to Luke, he puts him on the ground to see him make that choice to walk to Luke. And I thought that was so important. And whoever made that choice, I thought that was insanely a brilliant decision to make yeah yeah it, it, because you it has to be without a a shadow of a doubt that it's a choice that's being made too yes uh, right that, that grogu is right. going um and it's not like yeah he's not properties this is it's like he puts them down and it, it's it's one of those great steps in the character development for yeah. everybody where that happens and you, you see grogu sort of going like reaching out and like being afraid but knowing that this is where yes. he belongs he needs to go there he can't keep as much as he loves mando as much as he he likes the adventures and whatnot like he he's got a higher purpose and he needs to responsibly it's like luke says that kind of power is dangerous unless he learns how to use it's amazing. it amazing right he's, right he's always going to be in danger unless he he knows how he learns how to master it and so it, it's it's on so many levels dude you're on this show mm-hmm. dude 
It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And I love how, I love how you're of, talking about you're talking ahead, about John. being a father, and then your dog like walks up to you. Like I just want to remind you that you're a good I, dad. <laughs> Paul's dog just walked into the frame and is and is cuddling up for our audio listeners. It's so it's an amazing moment. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Grogu, what do you think of the puppet? Oh my god, it's tremendous. Uh, I saw it in season one when it mm-hmm. first went up my set visit, and season one hadn't aired. Um, it was the episode on Tatooine uh, where um, Helimoto is, is is going to be uh, fixing the Razor Crest, and I was there. Um, and when when they bring out the puppet and oh. walking in the gangplank, and I saw it, I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> uh, and Dave was like, no, 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 no. "Oh, <laughs> God, I but I had to sit on. I didn't tell anybody, not even Good my for family, you, right? Yeah, <laughs> because I I didn't want to rob anybody of the reaction that I had. Mm-hmm. Like that was just serious, next level, cute, awesome shit. Because <laughs> it is so the 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 legacy effects who they they built the the puppet it's silicone right so it's super soft and the little hair on the ears and the head and the eyes and they have it weighted like a baby and you can't help like it's just so damn cute i got to hold it and, and oh just, man and you just you automatically just start playing playing Aww. with it like chatting with it and whatnot uh and i made friends with the props department and uh my buddy yang she uh was josh's um uh master props assist and so she had for season two uh, she's she's uh asian american and so we call each other asian she's like asian that way and i i love building props too so like my first time visiting there, like totally bonded with the props department and just sat and it was like being in a treasure chest and going through all the oh, man. All, all the treasures and the trophies and stuff. Um, and so Yang in season two, uh, because the, the child or, or Grogu wasn't in any of my scenes, she had to transport him from like the hero version from one studio to the other. And she said, hey, mm-hmm. check it out. And it's in this tremendous lockbox it's and it looks like the football right the nuclear launch codes <laughs> have a handcuff around yeah it. right handcuffed around yeah they travel with it and it's they, it's it's amazing it wow. is amazing and so that's why i went out as soon as sideshow collectibles had that one-to-one scale uh statue yeah. mm-hmm. I, I was like i've never owned a, uh, a sideshow collectible before because it's, they're always yeah. so expensive but i was like i need that not I want it. I need that. And so, yeah, I was like, sign me up. Canadian right. like, dollars to American dollars is like, it's like quadruple. So it's like, it's like oh, no. 400, 400, uh, 400 American dollars, which means it's like 5,000 Canadian and two of our kids. That's fine. Nailed it. <laughs> so, oh, that is great. 30,000 loonies. <laughs> <laughs> It's really heavy. so you so that was the uh, Tatooine set. Did they have the volume up uh, in the docking bay stuff? So and could yeah, you? And uh, I saw that you uh, got into Star Wars. Your dad took you when you were five to the original Star Wars. So yeah. were you like I'm in? I'm on Tatooine right yeah. now on your set visit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I walked in. I was like, holy shit! This is the hang. This is this. This isn't the hangar bay, but it's part of the same yeah. facility right it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. still recognizable in gallery in gallery uh john mentions he's like this is this docking bay 35 it's just a yeah. few down from where han solo and the falcon used to fill up their gas or whatever yeah, yeah. 
And it is because you go there and again, it's the attention to detail, but it's also the first time I'd ever seen the volume. And from the outside, you're looking at going, what the hell is this? Because you just see the backs of right. all the monitors the and screens, they're all, all the yeah. wires. And it looks like some sort of futuristic um, uh, generating station. Like it looks like something out of Spider-Man oh, wow. 2. You're waiting for the arms, the doctor. (laughs) You go inside and it's like, what is this? And so if you've seen gallery, you know what it is. It's like all these LED screens and on the ceiling as well. And in the middle, they have a practical set. So they had the razor crest, the bottom half of it with the ramp. And there's real sand on the ground and real uh, crates and cases and, and all the set dressing. But everything else around it is projected, but it's projected at in HD and it's com- it's so realistic even standing there looking at it, you go holy <laughs> shit I'm I am on location <laughs> this is this is too surreal it's like being in a holodeck were you afraid you're going to walk into a it's wall like a <laughs> there's the, you know what it, it is you, you kind of are in a sense because it's like if I run really fast towards this thing am I gonna that's what I something? mean yeah <laughs> Right. I hope not. But, you know, you, you look at that and it's weird, too, because they have the camera that they'll use to film the stuff with. And it's got all these mocap balls on it. And that's because the perimeter of the, the volume has all these cat cameras as well that are tracking the balls. So whenever wherever the camera is pointed in at, they'll shift the background. So it, it you maintain that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why. So it doesn't look fake. It'll it'll shift that is the unbelievable. And make it, yeah, it, and it's like we've talked a lot about the 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 volume in the sense that like even even I know they say like George Lucas was like I was kind of thinking that you know this I even myself as someone who has worked with cameras and video and stuff like that have thought someday someday down the line that is where it's going to go where they're going to be able to do the. Uh, effects ahead of time and just be able to replicate like using motorized uh, tripods, if you will, that hold the camera and they can keep the shot moving in the exact same spot every time they have that technology. But as like, as soon as they can replace the background and keep the background uh, moving exactly the same as the camera in every move, that's going to be, that's going to change everything. And the Mandalorian was the first to do it. It's like, it's so crazy. Yeah, and it's the, the the ability to control the level of light as well without having practical lights on right. set. Um, if anybody's ever worked on a set, sometimes you have out of frame a ton of lights, a key light, fill light, all these different things. And there you don't have to worry about that because you can control the level of light. It's like having natural sunlight and being able to control how bright the sun is or how dark it is. Um, and that's that's tremendous, especially if you're if you've ever gone location shooting. And they say, okay, it's a magic hour. It's like that that, yeah. that, that small window. With you have an hour to yeah. do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> don't screw it up. There, they can replicate that for for as long as a day is. As long as they and then yeah. Robert Rodriguez yeah. is like, ah, we're going back out to the rocks, fellas. Direct light. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they have the assets for, for Tatooine, obviously very well established with the Mandalorian. And we know Kenobi's yeah. coming. And you got to imagine there's going to be some Tatooine back there. Do you just, as a fan... Right annoy the bejesus out of deb chow for details on the on on obi-wan <laughs> uh i have not asked her one single thing about what Obi-Wan. a guy uh you're me, a good friend <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like you know they get it from and, and that's that's sacred for me uh it's 
I never, I feel so lucky to know, well, Deb's an old friend. So that's, that's, that's different. Mm -hmm. and, and I respect that friendship and I love Deb and she's great. I just don't want to be that friend that bugs her about of course, shit like yeah. that. Cause she gets, <laughs> up that. Uh, and sure. the same thing with, with Dave is because like he texts me, like we'll text each other back and forth. Cause when I visited the first time I met him, we nerded out together and Deb was with us and she was like, you guys are like a couple of kids in a basement. Like it's, it's, it's cute, but it's annoying. And so for me, like my line is I will never bring up star Wars to Dave because that's for him. That's work. And I don't want, like, I want our friendship, our relationship to be pure yeah. in that sense where he doesn't feel like I'm angling for, for this or that. And it's, I respect that. And you know, there's so many other things that Dave likes that we can geek out about that we talk mm -hmm. about. That's great. Like he's a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan. He loves yes, hockey. Yes, he is. Plays. He wore a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he plays he in high school, he played goalie for his high school <clears> team <throat> and he still plays goal. And so he loves Pittsburgh. And so he'll text me whenever the Leafs, that's my home team, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs, they screw up like one game. Uh the the opposing goalie, I think for Carolina, got hurt and their backup got hurt. So they had to call in a beer league replacement guy to come in and he still beat the Leafs. And Dave was merciless. He's texting me, going, ah. and, and he'll text me. We'll 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 chat about hockey, or we'll talk about Mecha Godzilla or anime stuff. It's like really really cool to have that um, that kind of a friendship uh, w with the, the guy who's like the guy at at Lucasfilm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's what I love about Dave and his wife Anne. They're so down to earth and just so lovely and normal, and that's it's it, for as a fan and as a human being even it's it's nice to see that it's it's just that uh, that level-headedness that humility um and that care and so that's that for me is it's something that i i never want to jeopardize oh, any of kind course, of a friendship yeah. yeah and you know it's yeah, it's interesting too like people forget sometimes that like celebrities or, or well-known actors or people who are in the spotlight a lot are also people too and i remember yeah. you started with this like that ann and dave kind of were watching your show before you had met so in a in a way he's getting to text you and and talk to you in a way, I think as a <laughs> right. fan, I, I would imagine that to be the case. If you're watching a show and you really like a show and then somehow you work out an acquaintance where you could at the drop of a hat, you know, because the Leafs are doing bad or whatever, you know, like text the guy that's on that show that you watch with your wife and stuff. I think that stuff is awesome. And uh, I'm sure the relationship between you two is just as mutual. Wow. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> now, do you play hockey? <laughs> Uh, yeah, very poorly. Okay, so have you and Dave ever tried to play a little uh, little hockey against each other? No, no. Uh, I would love to though. I'd love to, to. I'd love to swoop in on the wing and try to try to put. put the okay, puck so behind Dave, like Dave in goal, you get five penalty shots. How many are going in? Yeah, none. None. Dave, I will. I will. It, it, my level of of competency with. I don't know. Maybe I'd surprise him. I think I could surprise him with one, but then after that, like the book is okay. out on me. He's slow. He's got bad hands, and uh, <laughs> you know that, that's the thing. Um, yeah, like Dave has been playing since high school, so I would imagine that he's actually very right. good. You're making him sound like Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, I, yeah. No, well, you know he he he'll, he'll be smart. Like he knows, I, and he knows hockey too. That's what I love about him. 
uh, like I call him like an honorary Canadian because he knows so much. Wow. <laughs> and he's so, he's so nice. He's like, yeah, come on. Um, and yeah, so I, I would imagine that he'd probably take one look at me and go, he might let a couple in just to make me feel good because that's the kind of guy he is. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm slow of foot is, is okay. what I'm saying. Uh, my skating hasn't much to my shame as a Canadian. My skating is not quite up to snuff. Hey, at, least you, at least you get out there and give it a shot, though. So that's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, I'd run him. I totally run him. <laughs> Give him a chance. I would run him. Yeah, I'll park my fat ass in front of the crease. Give me a couple of whacks in the back of the legs. I'd bump it. I'd put a little bump. Now, um, in, you know that relationship that you were just kind of explaining as as friends. Uh, offset you you are kind of like i joked about the tango and cash like that pairing uh with trapper wolf and carson tava um in terms of dave getting he had there was a reluctance that he showed getting into the suit and getting on screen with uh favreau kind of saying like oh this is gonna be great do this and act acts all like casual about it and stuff did he lean on you at all uh in those scenes together and say hey paul what do you think about me doing this like was there anything where he was looking to you as a mentor and did you feel it uh in a genuine sense or was it him just saying like i want him to know that i respect him so i really want to get his his advice on how to do this right no, I, you know, Dave is, uh, I mean, cause, because we weren't really interacting with it, like our scenes really weren't together. They were disembodied. Mm-hmm. Anytime we were talking to each other, we really, like he was like 15 feet away from me, you know, in the cockpit of the mm-hmm. other X-Wing or we were shooting our scenes, our, our, our dialogue separately. Um, and so there wasn't any real, like, there was a lot of, a lot of complaining. Ah, I just, I, you know, why am I doing this? Because he hates me. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, because season one, he was so reluctant. Was he still yeah. reluctant in season two? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the only reason he did it is because so he could hang out. We could hang out for a bit, uh. Uh, which I really appreciated, too, because it was just like, well, whenever you get to work That's with your so friends, cool, yeah. Go, Yay. Yeah, and so, and of course, because he had the cool, like his, I don't know if you noticed the difference between season one uh, Trapper Wolf helmet and season two Trapper Wolf helmet. Season two was a serious upgrade, right? Like he was like, <laughs> okay, if you're going to put me in it, I'm going to look boss. So like that design is like, that's boss. You know, they're all gray with the wolf yeah. symbols on it. The, the, instead of the, the, the starboard and he's got the black chin cup instead of the white chin cup. It's just like, yeah, that's pretty boss. And like on his X-Wing, <laughs> he's got like the five TIE fighters stenciled. In <laughs> right. and like, okay. And his astromech droid has got like, he's got, it was really cool because you would never know this because you could never see the detail of it unless you were up close. Mm-hmm. But he had like little uh, yellow triangles on it to for the Pick- Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh yeah, man, that's so them. cool. Oh, I love it. Really cool stuff like that. And for me as well, like he, uh, my astromech droid was green. Um, and because Dave also loves the GO train. That's uh, a train service in Ontario where I live. And um, the colors are white and green. And so out of like an appreciation for that, you'll see him in one of the, one of the episodes, he's got like a go train hat, like a ball cap with the go symbol on it. And that's, that's a train system in, in Ontario. So he's, and so there's these little great personal nods as well. But in terms of the acting, I think he's just like, yeah, it is what it is. He had fun. Peyton gave him a hard time too, which was awesome. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just like when we were pretending to shoot the, the ice spiders, uh, I know they're <laughs> they're giving the gears and they say, yeah, like just give me a couple of yeehaws. Like I'm really enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they kind of. What were you shooting at? 
What did you see? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, we weren't even in. Oh no, we were in the volume, uh, and it was the. It was just, but I didn't see the. They just said they're ice spiders, and so you're just pretending to shoot, um, shoot at stuff, and so like in my mind it was like, okay, big spiders, I got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> just doing that. I, I do remember the gun was very heavy. It was a really cool. The A two eighty blaster mm -hmm. is really wow. cool, but it's it was based off a real. I think it's a German submachine gun from World War II. So it's heavy. Like mm -hmm. that's, and like I'm I'm up there and I'm like, hey, this is fun, but it's getting really heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired now. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, and oh, one great story. So Filoni's up there and he's he's in the cockpit and this, this guy standing next to me, I thought he was a crew guy. Um, he's like, I gave him Filoni a hard time. It's like, how was he? And I, I didn't realize until after that was, it was Brendan Wayne. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, oh okay. I thought it was just a guy. I was like, oh no, he's doing okay. He's doing good. I was just, you know, just talking like, no, no, he's doing good. He's doing good. And I was like, why is he giving Filoni such a hard time? It's like, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, and that was really neat beating, you know, Brendan. And then I had a great chat with Misty Rojas, uh, Rosas. Mm -hmm. The, the the physical stuff um, was a- was Frog the, lady, yeah. Yeah, yeah the frog lady Quill, yeah. Quill in mm -hmm. season one. And she's amazing, um, and the, the 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 physical training that she had to go through to to learn the craft and and to portray these characters they have it on in, in the gallery season two. Um, how much she brings to each character and is absolutely the case. And she's she's a wonderful human being too. We had a fantastic conversation wow. uh, while we were shooting. Um, yeah, no, I mean my cup runs <laughs> over. <laughs> and all that stuff and and it was funny too because dave as much as uh i i really appreciated him being there i think originally they wanted deb to to be the other pilot as well but she was busy with obi-wan and then she's also giving dave a hard time say dave you can't put the asians together always <laughs> uh, um, there's so there's obviously a lot of focus on you in terms of the x-wing and that stuff but really in the episode the siege uh with carl weathers directing you had um one of the more serious moments in the series uh in your exchange with cara dune mm -hmm. talking about alderaan um, kind of inspiring her to, you know, maybe join the cause and, and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, fil filming that scene, you know, knowing it's Star Wars, but also probably realizing, and I don't know, maybe you could explain what Carl's direction was to you in this. Uh, how did you bring forth that sort of serious tone when you are surrounded by aliens and creatures and you're in this crazy uh, Flash Gordon-y Star Wars situation? Can you explain how that scene went yeah. down? Because you did a fantastic job, both of you and Carl Weathers, uh, knocked it out of the park. So if you can uh, let us know how yeah. that went down. That, you know, it, it is about really focus uh, at that point because you it's easy to get caught up in that in a galaxy far, far away and, and to have all that stuff around you. But really, um, you focus on, on your task at hand and you make it small. You make it real and believable. And uh, that was a tough day because it was my first day of shooting and nobody knew who I was. Nobody really, you look at this guy and it's like, who's that? It's like, oh, here, it's a friend of Dave's. It's like, oh, that's how he got the part. Oh, like, oh my yeah. God. But I also have, some, I have some craft, right? It's like, I am an award-winning actor from Canada. Yeah. Like, uh, Super talented actor, <laughs> to be clear. But, but people don't know who I am, right? And that's, that's fair because I don't have a large, uh, I, I don't do a lot of stuff that's aired on American television. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and, you're now on Netflix, so that's about to change for you, bud. <laughs> which has helped tremendously, yeah. But still, it's it's one of those things where my career has always been about being underestimated and having to prove myself, right. which goes back to saying you have to be prepped. You have to be ready to go because if you get this opportunity, you can't fail. Um, and and that was the thing for me. It was just I, I was prepped. I needed to be ready. I had my choices to go in. I knew what I wanted to do, but I was missing the larger context in terms of the stakes as to what was happening. And Carl was wonderful for that in terms of helping me, guide, guiding me uh, in terms of the importance of what was going on in the scene and what I needed to focus on, which is great. And then John was there as well, uh, giving redirects and, and little bits of advice. And so I had the two, these two fantastic, crafted, talented actors and directors talking to me and helping me out, which is great. And it was all about variations. We played it different ways and I had my choice and then they had me play it a different way and another way and another way. And it was all over the place. And it felt like at a certain point, because you're playing the scene so many different ways, your, your head starts to spin a bit and you kind of go, Oh my God, like, is anything I'm doing right? Mm. Does it all suck? Because I'm getting all these different notes and redirects. And it was great because, and, and this happens too, like John said, these are all, it's nothing that you're doing is terrible. It's not that, but we want choices. We want variations. And that's kind of your job. You got to remember. And they shoot the show like they shoot a movie. They keep going and going. So they'll spend half a day on, on a page of dialogue instead of, you know, when we shoot Kim's, we'll shoot 11 pages a day. Wow. Wow. That's, that's yeah. You go. So I'm used to that, that level of, we got to go, we, you know, you, you, you bring in all that, all the lines, different scenes, different days you go in. For Mando, it was like, we, we will keep going until we're happy with what we have. And then we'll move wow. on. Um, okay, that's cool. Uh, and so doing that was, it was very, um, it was nerve wracking at first because I felt like I really had to prove myself. And I think, I, and I needed to prove myself to Carl and to Dave to just say, hey, you guys did not make a mistake. I, I can do this. Um, and so the, the focus required was great. And it's just making it smaller. It's making it more believable. It's about those connections oh, yeah. with, with Gene's character and the stake of what's going on and, and making it relatable too. Um, you know, that, that line, and then <laughs> people make fun of it. Uh, but the whole, like, you know, I served on Alderaan. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and he says, well, did you, did you lose anybody? And their whole memes about dude, the whole plan. Uh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, and I get it. And it's like, but there's a part of me that inside it's sort of like, yeah, he knows that. Obviously, he knows that. I loved that line. I thought it was very like subtle, but to the point. So did I. And it's yeah. it's about reminding her and saying, You did lose everybody. I know you lost everybody. I know that. Have you forgot? And it's that reminder of, so what are you gonna do? And that it's a very pointed, very in my mind, powerful moment where he says, I'm sorry for your loss, because he means it but he's also giving her the means and the ability to do something constructive about it to really take that step. And cause he knows he needs her help. He's been around the block. He sees what's happening in the outer rim and he knows nobody in the new Republic is going to charge to the rescue. No one's going to believe him. He's that guy that, that has to play in the gray areas in order to stay alive and he, he's not going to get support from the New Republic, so he knows he's got to rally the troops or make whatever alliances he can in the Outer Rim to try to stop what's going on. Yeah. And wow. that, for me, it's like, ah. Oh. And then I see a meme like that, and I'm just like, oh, 
<laughs> no, on. to me, it was a very Uncle Ben Spider-Man Peter Parker moment. Like, yeah. you have this mm-hmm. responsibility. You need to follow through on yeah. it type thing. And to be fair. And, and I loved it. Uh, Star Wars is littered with orphans. It's possible she had no one on Alderaan. So it's not that outlandish of a question at face value, in my opinion. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing. He's looked up her service yeah. record. He knows everything. He knows her family. He knows everything. So he knows. And him asking her that is a very point. It's it's deliberate. You can call it a dick move and like (laughs) dredging it up, but she doesn't want to help. And it's it would be more rude if he were to say, "I looked you up. I know you lost people." Then she feels uh, impeded upon or something along those lines. But to ask politely and allow her to give up that information is a totally different, um, more authoritative way to do it. Like that's what a police officer might do or something, you know what I mean? Or someone in, in a, in a, a principal of a school might ask like, did you take, did you take the candy, you know, or something like that instead of like, I know you took the candy, you know, it's a different situation. And to, and to Gina's credit as well too, like that moment where she says, I lost everyone. She's saying to him, like, you, you know, you know, like you're asking that question and you know. Yeah. And he's like, I know, I know. I'm just reminding you and I'm sorry. And he leaves that badge. I mean, it's all about the subtext yeah. in that. And Gina was, uh, I mean, working with, she was so kind to me. She was just so generous. And she was nervous too, because she's, in terms of her her acting ability, I know she had some, she, she was a bit worried that she didn't want to come across as somebody who would just brawl. And it was like, she gave me so much as a scene partner to just, so much to play off of. It was great. And I think, you know, she gets a little bit undervalued or underestimated for that too. But those, that, that was, and I just met her. I just met her, this Canadian guy walking in <laughs> on a set and it's a heavy scene with high stakes. I have no idea what happened beforehand to precipitate this. I have no idea where right. it's going, but we've got to play that moment. And it's just like, you got Carl Weathers, Who's directing it? John Favreau, who's like, you know, helping giving notes and stuff like that. It's just like that was a crucible. That was a <laughs> that was a cooking point for me, and it was great because when we got when we were done it, um, I think Carl was. A, I, I think everyone was a little bit nervous. Like, oh, is this guy going to be able to do it? I think they were really quite happy with what oh. happened afterwards because the next day was just so much more. Everybody's a lot more it's, relaxed. It's great, included. man. Like it, that is a great scene. Like we we love. We love, really and, you know, you say you only get so many shots like you were flying down the trench and you fired the torpedoes into the, the trench of the Death Star and you nailed it, man. So uh, great job on that for sure. So speaking of memes, you brought that up. You have now, now that you're a part of Star Wars, have been introduced to the Star Wars community online, which everyone adores you. So you've been on the the great side of fandom but how has that been dealing with that i mean people just constantly posting stuff like how do you handle all the stuff that's coming at you uh with a grain of salt a lot of it i mean it's so flattering it's it is tremendously flattering and gratifying and validating and all these great things that actors like that that when you do work and people recognize it and they're like, yeah, good job. Um, (laughs) I I really take that to heart and I'm very, I'm relieved and I'm very happy to hear it. Um, With in terms of the memes and stuff like that too, uh, (laughs) it is, you take the good and you take the bad. Right. uh, Like some of the ones where it's like, uh, the only thing about the memes is I do get the same meme sent to me hundreds of times. Oh yeah. It's like, 
And I'm I'm very like, thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yes. The one. Thank you. And you get them. And it, it's just like, because people are happy. And they, yeah. they see you go, oh, have you seen this? And so I like that. It, it means people are thinking about me. And, and it's, it's a lovely thing. Um, people say. There's a big campaign for you to uh, be in New Rangers of the, or Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, like, yes. <laughs> please. Please. <Right. laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to, you know, uh, in terms of fan casting. I mean, it ha- it, Katie Sackhoff got fan cast. Uh, uh, right. Dawson got fan cast. Um, it, you know, even closer to home, um, you know, Simu, Simu Liu, who's, who plays my son mm-hmm. on Kim's Convenience. He's in the new Marvel movie, yeah. He's in the, yeah, he's Shang-Chi. And he sort Love of, it. he threw it out there a number of years ago saying, hey, you're looking for an Asian superhero. I'm here, I'm waiting. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I feel super, like supremely grateful to, to have to have gotten my foot in the door with 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 the two episodes season two of Mandalorian and you know if that's it I'm like hey man that's a great run right uh, <laughs> I love it I, I'm capable of way more I'd love another shot at, at doing some more stuff too and and to be part of that universe but it, it's out of my hands um but whatever the direction they decide to go in uh, I think the future of storytelling in that particular corner of the Star Wars universe is in really really good hands because it's like they are they are universe building and they're connecting the threads of all these different stories and characters as they intersect with each other or tangentially sort of pass each other. And there's layer yeah. upon layer of history. If you're a if you're a, a Star Wars nerd, you're gonna die. Right. <laughs> and as a casual fan, you kind of go, "Huh, I wonder if there was significance in that." But they'll still enjoy the story. Like my wife isn't a huge Star Wars fan, but she loved watching The Mandalorian because it was so accessible in terms of just straight up storytelling. And if you want to go for the deep cuts, you can as well. And that, that's yeah, win-win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, do you, I know Filoni clearly does uh, because we see him talk about it on the gallery uh, in terms of dialing into fan speculation. Uh, it's got to be a fun part of being part of the creative circle, hearing fans rumors and be like, not even close. That's pretty interesting. Ooh, look at that guess. That's pretty good. Do you, could you hear, dial into those rumblings at all? Because I see you're on social media and stuff because a lot of fans, uh, myself included, see beats in Mandalorian that like, oh, we see Cara Dune talking to Bill Burr's character and he walks off free. I wonder where we're going to see him again. And then you leaving the badge uh, like a Nick Fury on the rock, like uh, that sort of thing. So (laughs) people are like, oh, he's going to be in the Rangers. But so is Bill Burr and Cara Dune, and they're all going to be like this Avengers for the New Republic thing. Uh, do, so do you dial into right. the speculation? Do you enjoy seeing fans, the theories, and that sort of thing? I enjoy seeing fan theories and speculation just because there's some really smart fans out there who can connect the dots and, and will and you kind of go, oh, I never even considered that. And even if they're wrong, I think it's it's great lateral thinking and it's great picking up these little cues or clues that that are breadcrumbs as it were that might lead you to mm-hmm. somewhere and you know sometimes they're right and sometimes a lot of times they're not but it's still fun to read i mean again uh, the only sort of uh the closest approximation i can get to that is when people were speculating who are in these two x-wings who are the two mm-hmm. x-wing you know like what is that who's who's that what's that all about based on like a five second clip in a 30 second sort of right. trailer uh, and I love that because it's just like, it just shows that there's an appetite for the stories and people are really, really engaged. In, and I think that's always a great sign when fans are speculating mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and the thing is, 
when you're universe building, when you're creating a television show series like The Mandalorian, you need meticulous planning. And you can listen to some of the fan speculation, but you can't be beholden to it. You know what I mean? They, they, sometimes they go, oh, they, they're actually guessing pretty close to what we want to have, <laughs> what we're doing, or, oh, they're, way, they're miles off. But you have to assume, and, and I do, that John and Dave and everybody involved in plotting out the storylines have everything already planned out. And one of the things that I always sort of, <laughs> that always makes me shake my head is when people go, well, that was a filler episode. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. Yeah. There's no such thing as a filler episode when you have an eight episode arc. Yes. If you had 22 episodes, okay. But there's nothing, you, you have to be so efficient. And in every episode, if something comes up, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. And we've become so impatient. I think people, they're so used to binging things and watching it from beginning to end that if they're left sort of going, well, 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 then my questions weren't answered right away. What's going on? Filler episode. He's like, no, you're just being impatient. Just fucking watch the show. Like, watch the whole thing. Just be patient. And that's the part of me that's like, come on, just be patient. Um, I, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. And right. I don't know if you know anything about that show, but it is probably the show that gets the most crap out of anything I've ever seen for being like full of filler because they, the show was, was like uh, every week they were coming out with new episodes, but then the, the story, which was actually like the comic was only once a month. So they, they literally were consistently like constantly running into, we don't know what has to happen. So we just have to make four episodes where literally nothing happens. And we right. do, we we just can't we can't cross the lines with the person who's actually writing the story, and so it's like right. just hours and hours and hours. And I remember being a kid, just thinking like, nothing happened in that episode. I was so excited, and literally nothing <laughs> they just, happened. Ah! Yeah, animation. I mean, yeah, it was screaming and talking and threatening and just yeah. like not empowering up and nothing. And uh, then when I am in this era now and people are like, that's a filler episode, I'm like, you have no idea <laughs> what a filler episode is. That was, there's so much that happened in that episode. I mean, new worlds, new characters, dialogue, yeah. uh, backgrounds. Uh, it's going to yeah. set up stuff, pay off in the future we, that we can't see yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm so against like anything in The Mandalorian, which is eight episodes a season. And being filler it, it, it yeah doesn't sit well yeah, with me I, yeah i hear you and that's that's exactly how i feel about it too and i just we need as a fandom and i get it everybody's like oh they're just jonesing for that next fix and it, it's one of those things where uh and i think it's a lost art it's the appreciation and savoring when you do get it because i know a lot of people are just die like they'll, they'll rifle through an episode and immediately they'll launch into shooting a reaction video of it and because they got to be the first ones to get it out there mm-hmm. or to have a reaction to it and i've seen so many wars started on facebook different groups people posting spoilers oh, everybody man, getting yeah. mad and, and it's just this whole thing where it's just like in this race to be the first to notice something or to say something about it we've lost sight of the fact that you we all really need to just take that moment to enjoy it just let it seep in as fans enjoy it and share that and sit on it and you don't have to be the first or anything you can just just enjoy it for, <laughs> for a bit right like sit in that win 
and then go back and watch it and dissect it and you can have and you gotta wait the three days for people to catch up yes yeah and and kind of go okay and and then have that discussion which is cool because you still have another three or four days before the next episode right. drops and for those people who are like well i'm waiting for the whole season to drop before i watch any of it because it's like well i'm showing patience but not really because you're gonna binge it all Right. Yeah, so you're not really right. being patient. It's like you're taking dessert <laughs> and you're going to gobble it down at the right. end. And, yeah. and it, it's it's being distributed once a week, which means it's intended to be seen once a week. Yeah. So right. waiting yeah. and binging the season is not, it, it probably is not going to get you the same payoff because part of the fun is seeing a baby Yoda for the first time and then having a week to digest it to it's wait. intended yeah. you're intended to yeah. have that week to process and talk yep. and speculate and have that conversation with your friends um that's the purpose of it and it's not meant to just be seen five minutes later yeah it's the anticipation which makes it that much sweeter when you finally do get it um and i would i would hazard that uh for a lot of people it's very satisfying like it's worth the wait you hear that phrase, it is so worth the wait. Um, and especially the payoff in the, that final episode of season two was just like two seasons in the making from when he first discovers the asset mm-hmm. and he becomes a child, baby Yoda, and then Grogu. Um, it is like that, that incredible journey right there. And you know, that's probably not the end yeah. either. Who knows what's gonna happen in season three because they're already thinking about season four right. and five. Right. right. That's how far that that's good storytelling is in in terms of, well, where is this going to go and how can we layer in? All, because then when you do look back at it and you go, holy shit, they constructed <laughs> such a, a wonderfully supported structure of a complex yeah. world. And you had little little nods here and there and they might, you know, certain threads might just trail off and, and might not be connected or, or it might not work out. And so they, they get snipped. But the, the the amount of foundation that they're putting down is it's exciting. It's exciting. It especially when you fold in Rain of the New Republic, the Book of Boba Fett, right? Ahsoka. It's and Mando, they're all the same time period. Right? That's like the Avengers is gonna happen, like the yeah, Star Wars man. version of it when all yeah. the shows converge into one super <laughs> spectacle episode where it's like, oh damn. The storylines for all four shows now interconnecting to this one moment. Come on. Come on. That's going to be worth the wait. Kevin Feige's producing a Star Wars movie, so... Yeah. Um, So, uh, from a Star Wars fan perspective, um, do you have... uh, You you watched all the, the recent movies and stuff. I don't know if you... Like, we created this hashtag because we're huge fans of Solo. And we created this hashtag called mm-hmm. Make Solo 2 Happen. Have you seen that at all circling around the internet? It, it's, uh, you I have? Okay. Have. I didn't know it was you guys, but I, I Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I think yes. Um, I like Solo. I liked Solo a lot. And I'm, I'm wondering where all the hate came for it. And it's like one of those things where, because it was a troubled production and people just are looking for any reason to rip something apart, it seems now. Clicks, got to get the clicks. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> it's such an artificial sort of this this whole idea of like let's hate it before it even comes yeah. out instead of, without giving it a shot. I mean, if you go in 
with with you're biased. You go in with a bias saying, oh, it's going to suck because you hear the director's got fired and uh, Ron Howard reshoots and blah, blah, blah. And they had to give that guy <laughs> acting lessons. It's like, oh, <laughs> watch the fucking thing first. And then make up your mind. And try not to parrot everything that you've read on the internet, right? Like, just go in and be, let's, let's be critical. Did you enjoy it? There's no shame in enjoying right. it. Why did you enjoy it? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And without paraphrasing somebody that you've read online who's got a hate on for something and just wants to watch the whole universe right. burn. I, <laughs> I see a lot of that too, where it's like, I remember I was in a comic book store in, in New York. This is in the before times, before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. The dark and, times, before the pandemic. Exactly. Was it Midtown Comics? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yes, actually, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Midtown, yeah. yep. Yeah, so... And there was this guy and he was like, they were talking and he was just ripping the living crap out of Last Jedi that I liked. I, I, I know a lot of people didn't like it and that's awesome. I liked it. Um, and he was just, and I, I was listening to him going, I read that same article. Dude, you're just parroting everything this person, I mean, unless you wrote it, these are not your oh, opinions. Yeah. These are somebody else's opinions. <laughs> You are literally, you are verbatim repeating to make yourself right. sound smart. Mm. And it's, it's a really interesting because it's like, but where do you, what do you think about it? Instead of repeating right. points, what do you think about it? Like, do you agree? Like where, where, where does, where are you entering into this equation? And so for solo, um, and I think part of it is, I mean, it is in the industry too. And nobody sets out to make a shitty product. Nobody does. Everybody wants to be good. Everyone wants to tell a good story. And for whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes errors are glaring. It's like, yeah, we should have done better about that. But nobody sets up to go, hey, let's make a really shitty movie that everybody's going to fun of. Hate us. I think and I said this on like last last episode we recorded. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's the truth. And so with all the stuff that Aldrich, uh, the guy who played- uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Um, Alden Ehrenreich. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Alden Ehrenreich. That's it. I, I see the name and kind of go, oh, my brain short circuit. <laughs> as a young Han Solo, I bought him. I thought he had some of the mannerisms down. He was this this sort of cocky, but really, really, um, he was in over his head. And Naive, his, yeah. Bluff his way, yeah, bluff his way through everything. And you could see where he was going with that character in terms of yes. that's Han Solo. this is not Harrison Ford. <laughs> this is like the guy who has zero experience, but all the bluster and gets caught, called out on it and is scrambling and has no idea what's going on. So I thought he yes. played that perfectly. That Han Solo. And that's the thing. And he's not Harrison Ford. I'm sorry. If you want Harrison Ford, go watch, go watch Star Wars. You'll get right. Harrison Ford there. But don't expect him to show up in the movie uh, you know, called Solo, which is the beginning of the the the, the Han right. Solo story. You, you can't. It's unrealistic, and it's stupid to think that he should be the 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 hardened sort of criminal Han Solo who's, who's yes. all this and that. It's, you can't. Expect <laughs> oh that. my god! So it's that's character. Yes, play. man. Um, and I loved the journey. I loved how <laughs> he got conscripted into the Imperial. Like he joined the Imperial Navy, and I would have loved to have seen you know that deleted scene of him getting kicked out. Um, <laughs> right. And, having to serve and i love the fact that he's a deserter he's like this is this is bullshit yeah. i'm getting out i love all that yeah um, which is funny too because that deleted scene had like the tag and bink characters which yes. my understanding too was a little bit of your own personal backstory for carson 
was that he, they just <laughs> he always just kind of was in a bad situation or like missed the <laughs> the action yeah i that's <laughs> yeah uh it, it was i i remember talking to david about that because i didn't had no idea what the what carson's backstory was and so i was joking with him about that he's like oh yeah what, what if he was a guy that was like he missed every single battle carson <laughs> he just had the worst luck right like his, his power converters weren't working for 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 scarif so he couldn't join then the battle of yavin he had like diarrhea and couldn't leave the station <laughs> slept in like, yeah. it's like his boots got frozen to the ground and he couldn't reach his, his snow speeder like stuff like that and i, I I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be funny and dave was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right i, I thought you know, maybe it'd be cool um Another really fun backstory I thought of, which would my, I don't know, I, I thought it would be cool. When he says in Mando that he served during Alderaan, mm -hmm. we assume it's with the rebellion. And part of me is like, well, what if he was Ooh. with the Imperial Navy? And he saw what happened and he defected. Yeah. Like Bill Burr's character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of, a like lot he, of new, uh, Imperial characters have switched over, um, like in yeah. squadrons and aftermath and, and the, that stuff, like you see a lot of that stuff happening around that time. I would not be surprised yeah. if someone, uh, young in the new Republic would be working their way up ha after having just gone through all the boot camps and everything or the, the defectors camps and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things because it is like Mandalorian is like, five years after Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. right? And so if you go by the the, the timeline there too, then it is like- Nine. What's, uh, uh, nine years. Yeah, so nine years. I mean, my guy's not that old. I know I've, I've got a white beard and shit, but I'm not, I'm not 50 yet. So nine years, he'd be like in his 40s. So he could still be like, and I, I always get a kick out of that. Like people, fans go, well, what's such an old fart flight? Like he's a pilot still and he's so old. It's like, okay. Yeah, what the hell? At <laughs> old, my beard is white, but it's because I got kids. You got yeah. kids, your beard turns John, white. There you go. John's hair. Yes. See? And you've got hair. That's what I mean. My hair started falling out, and my beard turned white because of my kids. Together, um, we have one full set of white and gray beauty. Yeah. There you go. I'll just there transplant. We go. You can yeah. move that down. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he was a more seasoned sort of like, and he didn't have even have to be a fighter pilot or this. He flies an X-Wing now, but I mean, Luke never flew an X-Wing. He was mm -hmm. flying like what? T-16 yeah. hoppers. Mm -hmm. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility that these guys, I think one of the backstories for um, one of the rebel pilots, the original Red Five, uh, his character who got killed in, uh, in, 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 oh my God, Rogue One, like road five you know like red yeah. five where are you going he's like ah, i can't shake him and he, like he was like a transport pilot i think that was yeah. his backstory uh, and so it's like yeah it's like you need pilots and much like independence day where you'll get randy quaid and drop him into an elite <laughs> <laughs> into an, an <laughs> Eagle, and he was flying crop duster my character could have been doing yeah. the same thing garbage mm -hmm. cow driver X-wing. That's pilot, that's right? Star Wars, right. man. Like the the, the ragtag Jack Porkins and all those guys are just like like it like in yeah. Rise of Skywalker. They said it's just people, sir, and it's just like that's yeah. the whole rebellion thing. It's not the not everyone's the ace pilot, the Poe Dameron or the Han Solo. Some people are just like I want to fight. Give me gas this thing up, and I'm gonna go. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and that's the thing. I think with Carson Tiva, 
he's he's got i mean he's got some skill i mean he was chasing th those moves that was pretty slick oh yeah a little uh a little chase sequence uh and he flew it so well <laughs> oh man that was so much fun we how'd you train <laughs> we shot we shot the the scenes um they never used any of the footage of be in the cockpit but we shot that chase sequence and that was so much fun because i'm in a cock a mock-up of a cockpit that was actually they used in rogue one so there's that history there oh fun it's so super realistic i'm in the full flight suit the helmet i got the gloves on the flight stick the volume that's that so cool the back boy <laughs> yeah and then there was peyton calling over the the bullhorns like okay you're gonna bank left really hard you're gonna feel the g's it's like oh. <laughs> and it's really cool just because you in it and you're like I, it's like when i was a kid and top gun came out i think everybody wanted to join the u.s navy to be a fighter pilot mm -hmm. and that was I kind of felt like that again. It was like the Death Char Star, uh, yeah. the trench run, and it was me being Maverick, uh, you know, and, and in height, you know, you're you're because people had never seen an X-wing in an atmosphere before. It's always been mm. space battles, which is cool. But like when you there's something about in that the trailer or, or even in the episode when you see the X-wings going through the clouds, chasing like Force Awakens mm -hmm. with the water. That moment, everyone was like, yeah, <gasps> yeah. exactly. So it, it's that that feeling of the real world physics affecting this spacecraft. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, and that, that was super fun to do. That was really Man. fun to do. Uh, to you. So that's, that's like the ultimate, especially like you um, saying you remember being five watching X wings and stuff like that. Um, you probably immediately just like forget about the white beard and stuff. And you're, you're five again and you're, uh, in that thing, D does that feel like the ultimate like Disney ride when you're doing those scenes? That's like a 15 billion times better than oh, any Star man. Wars ride. Like it, it is, you're there, you're immersed. And because you know when you're in a Star Wars ride, you're like, okay, I'm there with my right. family, and we're yeah. going through, and like, yeah, it's cool. It's like, ooh, oh, that was close. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was close. Yeah. When, you're, when you're shooting. On, and you're you're dressed up, so I'm in I'm in costume. Your and flight suit. You're yes, in yeah, your I, flight suit with my special painted helmet. Yes. Uh, and uh, and I'm in a cockpit, like not like okay, where well, here's a safety bar, and it's it's like you're in the cockpit with practical lights and switches, and I'm playing a character. This is a character that I'm playing. I'm not Paul on a on a ride with my family. Yeah, this is right. like I am Carson Teva, and I'm chasing this Razorcrest craft ship that is, you know, that could be responsible for the death of a new Republic officer, corrections officer. So it's, it's, you're in it, in that environment and doing it. It's like, uh, and with the volume, it beats everything, any sort of, it is the, the, the culmination and the, the fulfillment of every sort of childhood fantasy or recreation to the nth degree. Wow. Cause it's like, it literally is shit got real. It's like, hey, here we go. And, and it's crazier and more realistic than even the people who did it back in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, and even the yeah. prequels and stuff too. I'm sure they were not anywhere near in the same situation with, with the, even the lighting. You know, you've you've got the volume, but um, they, they might have put lights on them or something like that, but it's like, this is such well, an immersive world now. Yeah, and when you see the, the, the behind-the-scenes footage of any of that stuff, it's blue screen or green screen. Yep. And so they're there and, and they're, they're sort of, they're focusing in on this and, and I can't speak to the level of fandom that any of these performers had 
while they were doing it. I'm sure they were very excited. They were in a Star Wars, um, a Star Wars movie or show. But for me, I'm like, I'm a, I've been a fan since I've been five, yeah. and I, I'm in it, and I've always wanted to be in one of these. And now, not only that, I, I'm I, I get to play in this universe, and that's just it's amazing. I have my cup yeah, is over, me. man. Um, <laughs> so I want to get to your personal channel in a minute, but real quick, I know you've probably done this before, but for our audience, can you run down the, the you just mentioned it, the unique specs of your helmet and what's on there and what's personal to you on there and, and, and that sort of thing? Uh, okay, there are two helmets, um, and I think they've, they've been getting mixed up online. Um, the first helmet is, the, the helmet that I used on the Mandalorian was actually uh, repainted for me from from production, and it's got the New Republic logos on it. It's a very standard looking helmet. Uh, it's beautifully done and decorated. It's got it's a blue color uh, with yellow stars, and it's the New Republic. My personal helmet that I actually built myself uh, from a kit from a guy named Darth Hare, uh, great great helmet kit, I, and I painted and decorated myself. Actually, in Arubesh has the words Appa on the Mohawk front and up as an I play in Kim's convenience. And on the side of the Mohawk is in Arubesh, his catchphrase, which is, okay, see you. And so <laughs> yes. I, I had that there as an Easter egg to, to Star Wars nerds and fans and nobody spotted wow. it until, uh, until um, Star Wars explained, Alex and Star Wars explained spotted it. And was like, oh my God, this is just, you know, uh, he, he couldn't, he was, or was it Scott Johnson? I think it was oh Alex. Alex, Alex speaks yeah. it fluently. And it's so, insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's a cool thing is because it is an alphabet. And if you sat down, it, it's like Cyrillic. If you wanted to learn Russian or read Russian, that you could, you just have to sit down and memorize the alphabet and see how it fits together. Yeah. And really, it's uh, just, a, it's a pretty straight code. It's like A is equal to this symbol. B is equal to this exactly. symbol. And it's, it's in English. It like yeah. order if you will. Yes. It's just they're replacing <laughs> the letters with symbols. So as long as you know those 26 characters, you're pretty good. There you go. That's perfect. Yes. And the numbers too, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was, so that's my, that was my personal helmet, which is really cool. And Alex did, he, he, he picked that up. Uh, and I was really, I was like, oh, that was really cool because I thought, here I thought, no one, mm -hmm. it was just something for me that no one else would notice. And then when he picked it up, that was like really, really cool. But then what happened was people got confused and somebody ran an article uh, and they didn't do their homework. And they, they thought that my actual what? No. Mandalorian <laughs> had uh, all that stuff on mm -hmm. it. And they ignored yeah. the fact that the color scheme of my personal helmet is is sort of like a military green, sort of like Wedge Antilles mm -hmm. color. Um, because I had a lot of leftover green paint. <laughs> so that's what I used. Uh, and uh, the, the helmet that I have on, on Mandalorian is white and blue. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little bit of confusion, but I like to think it's because the, the costumes look very similar. Yes. And, uh, you know, the one that was tailor-made to fit my <laughs> really nicely was, was close to the, to the store-bought one that hangs off my, my butt quite nicely. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I think that, that was, so that's, that's the story right. behind that. Uh, but I didn't get to wear the actual helmet worn by Big's Dark Lighter um, in, in a oh, new wow. Uh, very cool yeah and i cried like <laughs> a little baby when that when they, they pulled wow. that out and i was like because i needed to to take a picture of me in the full kit with it with the helmet on they had that lying around what do you what does that mean and, uh, they had it lying around like were you like what are you doing <laughs> with this in a box right now 
<laughs> they have they had stuff that was pulled down from all the different movies in the warehouses. They they just they all they bring it down and they wow. use it all. And it was really really interesting because I mean it's smart because they repurpose a lot of stuff. Sure, and they'll rejig it and refit it. Um, and it's it's there and it's it's it saves money. Um, and so I I don't know they had they were still. Um, the costumes for the rebel pilots, the new Republic pilots were different from season one from se to season two. I don't know if you notice it, but season one, it was more of the rogue one look where they had the, the satiny sort of colors. Oh and yeah. Puffy. Hmm. Like it was a different look that was more from rogue one. Uh, at season two was the original trilogy flight suits where they had, it was the cotton fabric a polyester cotton and with, with the, the, um, it, it was a matte color. It wasn't. It wasn't shiny satiny, and so I think while they were doing that in, in an effort to sort of get that classic look back, they were drawing from all these different resources that they could. And they had this book, for example, it was called uh, the Costumes of Star Wars, um, and you know they had the maquette. And so as they were putting it together, they were having difficulty. The wardrobe department trying to recreate the ejection harness that I was supposed to be wearing, um, and. They had the right materials, but they didn't know how to how it all kind of went together. And I did because I had I had built this costume previously, and so you know I offered. I said, "Look, I've got these photos on my phone. That's so I'm awesome. This costume, if you want to look at them." And it was great because it was literally like using the knowledge that I had gained from other cosplayers, mm -hmm. and, and directly channeling it to help these great right. professionals put it together. And and so it made sense that like, yeah, we've got this all this stuff from the original trilogy here. Just in the wars of the department to use this reference. Yeah. You're right about the the cup and the runneth <laughs> of the over. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, big Darklighter's helmet. What's your that's what's insane. your dream What's your dream cosplay that you've never done? Let's keep it Star Wars. Ooh, oh, dream cosplay I've never done. Um, I'm just trying to think right now because I've got so many builds going on right now. <laughs> I have a Tie Fighter pilot. I've got the TK, the original TK stunt version, uh, Mud Trooper, Imperial Line Officer, the um, uh, Staff Officer. Uh, I've got First Order Stormtrooper that's still in a box that I need to build. Um, <laughs> I have the uh, Tank Trooper from Rogue One, the AC AT driver from Rogue One. It's basically the same armor, different helmet. Who do I want? What do I want? Um, Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> Snoke. I, I don't know. It's it's. I I pretty much I grabbed. You know, seeing episode two of Mandalorian, uh, not episode two. Episode, um, I guess it was seven with with uh, Bill Burr um, when they had the uh, the the transport drivers. That's a mm -hmm. mashup of the Mud Trooper armor and the Tank Trooper helmet, where they've just right. The yeah. Helmet. Oh yeah. Yeah. So nice. I, I thought that I thought that was a really cool look, and I went, "Oh, okay, that's cool." And I've got like a couple of, of of tank helmets, sort of couple. Love it. Lying around, so I can oh, repaint nice, that really? and repurpose that, which is really neat. Um, jeez, it seems you like the I mean, helmeted characters more than. Yeah, there's there's something about, um, it's interesting because especially with Kim's convenience being really popular and people recognizing my face more. Mm -hmm. If I can't just go out as a, I'm I'm a member of the 501st, um, which is a, a the the uh, cosplaying group, mm -hmm. uh, and they they troop for charity yeah. basically. They they right. use them in season and, one, the stormtroopers. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's great because they all have screen actor <laughs> costumes because that's that's one of the the criteria for 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 being a member is you have to have mm-hmm. very very you have to pass muster you have to have screen accurate armor, and so they're meticulously curated and. It, it, they needed they needed like 50 stormtroopers and like hey these guys get them for free so let's bring them down yeah yeah so smart and it gets them involved and i'm sure that made just i know how it feels when you get to be in stars and use your own stuff right like that's amazing um and so what was my point oh yeah so covering my face it's one of those things where if I show up in my line officer out uniform, it's comfortable, mm-hmm. but people see my face and I'm worried about overshadowing, shadowing what we're there to do. And it, it does, it draws people and sure. people want to get their picky done, but it's sort of like, I want to fit in and I don't want to pull away from any of what the 501st is doing. Be the same so, level. Yeah, exactly. So if I, if I cover up and put a lid on, it's, it's neat because then I become like, it's a yeah. Star Wars character, right? Um, and so I can, I can do my part and I can help out and not be a distraction unless they want me to be a distraction. And that's the other thing they always say, do you mind if, you know, if we, if we put you out there and then people will have their picture with you and like, if it helps the, the charity, yeah. then yeah, let's do that. But part of me wants to just, I don't want special treatment when I go trooping with the, with the gang at the 501st, because they're all awesome people and they're all doing it for the love of cosplaying but also for charity i mean i've met some of the most generous people uh ever who 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 troop with the 501st um the canadian garrison they they've been very accepting to me um very friendly they've been very supportive and it's been awesome awesome, and so whatever i can do to help them out that that works for me too and going out west too like the canadian the the badlands garrison out there and trooping with them during (laughs) badlands Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's great yeah and so. when you when you have to go to a Star Wars celebration in two years to promote the Carson Tiva show for Disney Plus, <laughs> you can walk the floor with a helmet on and no one will know it's you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That'll be the thing. Say, hey, man, that's <laughs> wicked. That's great cosplaying. And I go, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll have to disguise my voice somehow. <laughs> that's uh, great. But it, yeah, it's I, I think that's sort of that's again that's I still can't get my head around that. It's, I've never been new. Oh, you are gonna oh. you're gonna love it. You were meant for you're meant for celebration, Paul. Come on, man. And that's always been on my bucket list. It's always something that I've wanted to do, wow. right? And so it's like now I got a legit reason to be there. I'd say, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, okay. So you know we don't want to keep you forever. We do, uh, but you know we don't want to do that to you. Yeah, we we will. will if you let us. <laughs> I mean, we obviously want to have you back, but before we um, let you go, uh, you have your own sort of nerd corner of YouTube, uh, the Bitter Asian Dude Inc. Uh, and I've watched some of your videos there. They're awesome. They're very uh, professionally done, but very inviting. So why don't you let our audience know about that? Because our audience also probably got into your other work through Star Wars, which, you know, you're an accomplished actor, so that uh, it's weird probably for you to hear that, but Star Wars fans are like, oh, let me see what else Paul's done. Uh, But also, you know, let them know about your nerd corner of YouTube. Yeah, thanks. It's called Bitter Asian Dude Inc. It's a YouTube channel where I just celebrate all things geeky and nerdy. Um, I'm on a television show called Kim's Convenience. I I love it. I'm going to geek out for a second. It's so good, guys. It is so good. So remember earlier when you were like meeting John Favreau, I was like, <laughs> like, that's me right now. Like, oh. <laughs> I love Kim's Convenience. Oh. So they just got rid of the uh, office on Netflix. And I was like, I need a new show that's like my show. So I turned it on. My husband sat down. We were like, OK, let's check this out. 
the funeral photo episode, we were straight up crying, <laughs> laughing so hard. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen. So everyone should check it out. Awesome. And I really, really hope that you have the success that like a Shit's Creek had where people found it through Netflix and then it just took off because I feel like that's going to happen for you. Thanks. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and it has been happening, which is great. And uh, especially through the pandemic, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have discovered the show because we're on Netflix and they're looking for a show that's uplifting mm-hmm. and very oh, yeah. uh, charming. Fun. You're yeah. so funny. You're Thank so you. funny. So, <laughs> so I play a character named Appa and he's a Korean Canadian immigrant. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of like he's he's the main character in the show and he's got a couple of kids and he runs a convenience store and it's about just a, a family dynamic. Right. Uh, and so it's funny because he is uh, a character I've played now for more, over 10 years. Uh, he's very near and dear to me, but a lot of people think I am up on, and, and that's all I do. It's like, uh, I think my appearance on Star Wars uh, for the Mandalorian, people are like, what? Appa's on the Mandalorian, but he's not speaking the way he's supposed to speak. <laughs> yeah. And so part of that is like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than, uh, than this great character. And so Bitter Asian Dude Inc. was, it was born out of the pandemic. Uh, I was bored and I wanted something to do. And my youngest, I got the Star Wars, the box set, the entire Skywalker saga on in 4K. And uh, my youngest said, you should do an unboxing video. And I thought, oh, okay. And that's how it started. And you can watch that video. It's very quick and, and really sort of is the best I could do at the moment. And it was a really great journey because as I learned about, you know, how to use YouTube and, and uh, I started upgrading the gear and started learning about lighting and and uh the different things and then i partnered with a group called uh, a company called pigeon row and they handle all the socials on on kim's convenience and they really sort of they took over the editing which is why the, sh- the channel looks a lot more slick than it than it did at the beginning cool. and they're geniuses which is great and so it's a, been a fun collaboration but it is i do unboxings i do videos um reviews uh i want to get into podcasting as well and uh, being on all these different great podcasts has taught me a lot as well um and uh, yeah, so it's, it, it is just a celebration of all the, the collectibles that I have, who I am, and I, I'm trying to keep things positive and be as inclusive and inviting to, to fans of any mm-hmm. genre. And um, it's, a, it's a fun, fun thing to do. And so if you want to visit, please do. We've got some great things planned. Uh, we launched a line of merch uh, just recently that sold out like crazy. And it was just great. Like you said, yeah. the bitter hat. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's a fun thing. And it really is about me just enjoying. That's cool, them. man. So so where did you get yeah. the name? Bitter Asian dude. Because uh, it spells out acronym wise. You probably know it spells out bad, but you're such a good dude. Bad. So where did you get the whole name from? It, you know, when I joined Twitter about a million years ago, I think it was 2007. It, it was one oh. of those things where they said, uh, you had to pick your Twitter handle and I wanted something that was memorable. Uh, but I also wanted something that was sort of a link to, to my past. And when I was younger, I was bitter. I was very angry at the world because I wasn't getting the parts that I wanted. It was hard being an actor who's Asian and all these things. And everything was always somebody else's fault. And I never really took accountability for, for my own role in, in, in where I was in terms of situation. And as I've grown and as I've learned and met, fantastic people who guided me along the way met my wife who brought me supreme happiness uh my boys that taught me to grow up a lot um i i that name sort of fit because it reminds me of the past 
of where I came from keeps me grounded, but it's also very memorable and a lot of fun. <laughs> so when I, whenever I, people say, well, what's your, your email address or, you know, where can I find you? I go, bitter agent dude. <laughs> <laughs> I always get that reaction, which is great. That's um, awesome. And so, yeah, that's where it came from. And so this whole bitter is, it is that whole sort of state of mind as well. Uh, I, I always try to keep uh, cognizant of where I've come from. That's awesome. Yeah. Because if you forget about your past, then you're going to make the same mistakes in the future type thing. Uh, and it keeps me grounded. Wow. It keeps me, you know, to not let my myself get too carried away with wow. stuff. Well, I don't. I adore yeah, there, you. <laughs> really, no, there, yeah. I think that's the perfect spot to end right there. So, um, uh, Paul, we, you know, we really can't thank you enough for coming by. We, uh, you know, we say this to not all of our guests, but you know, you have a key to the resistance base. We would love to have you back again as the year goes on and uh, to talk about the Carson TV show that you're going to do eventually, all that stuff. But no, all, all joking aside, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute blast, and it flew by. So you got to come back sometime. I, I would love that. Thank you so much for reaching out, Lacey. Uh, I had, this was, I mean, again, I, I've been really, really blessed. And this is, I had so much fun chatting with you guys. Uh, and it didn't feel like, I, like you said, the time, holy crap, look at the time. But <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, those are the best. Because it didn't feel like a podcast. It just felt like four friends chatting and shooting the I shit agree. about mm -hmm. stuff I that agree. we love. And well, I can't wait to see you announced for Rangers of the New Republic, and then your name is trending because you got announced. <laughs> <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I don't know. This is mm -hmm. nobody, nobody said anything to me. So. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. There he goes, locking his S foils in attack position. Uh, Paul Sunyun Lee amazing interview we could have kept going i think it was like an hour and 40 minutes yeah. but he was might have been our longest show he was Ever. he was so yeah. uh just like he put it there uh, he was just so fun to talk to right amazing mm -hmm. yeah absolutely mm -hmm. i adore uh, him I'm yeah. obsessed. <laughs> yeah i have to i have to watch the full gamut of his show now uh and dip, dip Kim's convenient. I'm not lying. It is so good, guys. No, that's you what I keep hearing. Go I gotta, watch I it have, on Netflix. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I look forward to checking Office that out. Office is out. Kim's convenience is in. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, any final words before we get out of here? Go ahead, James. Um, and no, uh, I know I know that something I said just as the interview ended is that it is really good to have someone that is so, you know, enthralled and excited to be in in star wars and you can tell just by his social media presence that like he's engaging to fan he's engaging to the shows and podcasts and stuff he wants to talk about it you look at his background you know he's been involved in the 501st he, he does the cosplaying stuff he gets mm -hmm. the toys um it's just it's it's really cool uh to know that they're um they being Lucasfilm and, and all the people involved there are recruiting um people who have talent but uh, you know, importantly, they have a very specific love for Star Wars. And you see that in gallery um, as well, you know, when it comes down to like the directors yeah. and, and other things like that. So it's, it, yeah, it's just, it's so great. And I had just a great time listening to him and um, kind of being like, it always gives everybody that little bit of hope in the sense that like, that sounds like me. That sounds like a lot of other people who just had a lifelong love of a specific franchise. And then someday, you know, it, it it being resulting in something it's like just really cool yeah yeah he was also super inspiring just the idea that 
we've heard this many times with several actors with John Favreau, with John Carlo Esposito and Pedro Pascal, where they're kind of playing the long game with their careers and they're finally getting this moment. Maybe not as much with John Carlo because he did Breaking Bad and everything, but these people are getting their moment to shine and John Favreau's finding these people that he loves and writing parts for them. Um, I'm just so happy for him. He's so inspiring to say like, yeah, I've been in all these different things and I'm finally getting my chance to kind of be in something on in America. Um, and I just like, I hope he succeeds in everything and like blows up and is like this gigantic star a year from now or whenever. Yeah. Uh, he deserves that. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like that little antidote he shared. It's the one thing, I mean, we just finished talking to him, but, uh, maybe something else will stand out. But the one thing that stands out to me coming out of that is him saying how he arrived on set and he heard whispers of people. Oh, he, this guy just got a job cause he's Dave's mm-hmm. friend or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how, and it humbles you as, uh, just being a regular person, uh, because you have this guy who's won two Canadian Academy acting awards and accepted awards in front of thousands of people in a giant the- theater and arena, having people mm-hmm. be like, who's this guy? Like, so... And he's on this successful show and everything. So it, it's amazing him just like saying like, well, I'll show you who I am and I'll act the hell out of the scene. And he did. So um, he just a, did. a great time having Paul on. We hope you enjoyed that interview. It's not even, was it an interview? It was, a, it was like he said, like four friends chatting. Hangout hang out, Yeah, the hangout sesh. So we hope you enjoyed that. We'll definitely have him back on uh, because we could have kept going. But thank you again for tuning in. Um, and thanks for being a part of TRB. We really appreciate it. We're so excited to have started our new year with with Paul's our first guest. We have a lot more guests coming this year. We're very excited about what we're working on behind the scenes. So make sure you do subscribe to the show. You can do so on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Obviously, that one's my personal favorite. Uh, by the way, shout out to Europe. So many people in Europe <laughs> are finding TRB, tuning yes. into TRB, joining our Patreon uh, it, it is truly amazing what has been happening, and I have to I have to thank all of you. And by the way, we do have to do a shout out, as I casually pretend like I'm not bringing up a list, uh, to our <laughs> Patreon generals. Uh, I want to thank Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Jenna Rosewater, Michael Gaines, Bethany, Russ Harbison, Kendall Gellner, Paul Olson, Jake Hutchins, Jeff Connery, Oliver Lewis, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you, generals. If you do want to support the Resistance broadcast and what we do and help us keep going, help us keep growing, help us do awesome things, go to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Tier start at just two bucks a month. Uh, find the tier that works for you. Sign up. I recommend tier three and up because our discord server is the ultimate escape away from social media madness. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. a lot of great people. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. that's just, and now that the high Republic is here, like our book section is just going. That is, that is very true. Um, and uh, make sure you're going to StarWarsNewsNet.com for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, I'm John. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and StarWarsNewsNet.com. And I have a little movie podcast called Just Like the Movies. If you want to check out me talking about old movies, uh, you can do that. Uh, James? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. And Lacey? You can find my Paul Stan account at Lacey Gillard on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. All right. Thank you again, everybody. Um, We will be back on, it's sad to say, no more Mando fan show because we wrapped it up last Friday. But uh, we will be back on Monday morning, as always, with another episode right here on the Resistance Broadcast. We'll see you around, kids.